0: Welcome to the Investment Cuddle. I'm Gary, and I'm here with Philip. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about information and data sources. So what type of data sources are we using? What's out there? And what can be useful and interesting for the individual investor or trader? So there's different types of data sources from a macro perspective. So looking at global trends, micro perspectives, it could be looking at trading looking at individual company shares and funds. So that's exchange-traded funds, ETFs, OICs, open-ended investment companies and investment trusts. We'll take you through what data sources we use or what we know of, whether these are free to access or whether there's some paid subscription for those and share some of our favorite information and data sources. So Philip, in terms of looking at your approach to getting hold of data because we've all we've said previously on the podcast when you're looking at funds shares that sort of thing either look at the company balance sheet information about the company the data sheets for the funds that sort of stuff and all this can be quite dry if you're looking at data what where do you start with this
1: well one thing is worth
0: mentioning at the beginning is you
1: need to put things in perspective where you're looking at it. So I always generally look at how well the economy, our local economy or the world's economy is doing and see bits of it to give an idea of where it might be interesting to even look at. So generally from that, I tend to do that with I tend to read the general business reports and the economic reports that's out on the BBC and some of the other um, news agencies. I personally subscribe to the Financial Times and I read many of their articles and occasional Nikkei articles about how the economy is going. Nikkei articles? Nikkei is a, it stands for something in Japanese. It is a newspaper in Japan, that's like the Financial Times, that focuses just on business and finance and economics. And they bought the FT a couple of years ago from Pearson's. So, with your FT subscription, you get a couple of Nikkei articles thrown in for free to try and entice you to buy Nikkei Europe or Nikkei Asia.
0: Access. Okay. And are you still paper or are you generally accessing that online? What's the? Historically by paper, I used to just buy the weekends. Now I subscribe to it digitally and I
1: read it off my phone. Predominantly I did it to get access to market data at the end of the week and market indices, um, which will go into more detail. What you can get out of there later. But now, because I've subscribed to it electronically, I tend to read a bit of it every day. Not necessarily. Some, some of it's just the headline news about economic performance. Some of it's about specific um, articles on companies. Uh, some of it is just general political shenanigans because you get a different perspective in the FT than you do in some of the other UK newspapers.
0: Yeah, we well, should say other, other newspapers are available, like The Star and the those, other, those other ones, yeah. But no, I, the reason I ask about that is because I just think is there a, benefit to going you know online i i still quite like reading things that you've got in your hand you know whether it's <laughs> books <laughs> paper books or you know the, the newspaper but is there it, are you getting access to things online that you wouldn't get if you were just taking the broad you know the broadsheet or the, the newspaper
1: so in the ft's case you get back issues so you get up to so quite a uh, reasonable at the time on articles and news data about three years of back issues of data to be brutally honest, though, because the FT was a broadsheet, shall we say, it was a, it was a pain in the arse to read from. So I much prefer this it, digital format because <laughs> okay. it's not a nice A4 piece of paper like certain, so, say, magazines I also read, such as Investor's Chronicle or Money or Share magazine. They are far more, I prefer to read them physically, but they were
0: more convenient size. So that's data sources around things that you're reading, articles, and so we could class that as a macro Yeah, economic, yes. Okay, so then if you're looking at, you know, indexes or more specific perhaps funds, how are you accessing fund information?
1: Well, surprisingly, when it comes to funds, whether it be investment trusts or unit trusts or OICs or even exchange traded funds to some degree, you'll be surprised at how much data you'll get from your stockbroker. I mean... The ones I've used, Harburys, Lansdowne, Charles Stanley, will give you quite a lot of data. Um, you get access to the funds fact sheet, which tells you what's their top 10 holdings, how what they've done, what's their fees. Um, then you'll tend to get, at least from Harburys and Charles Stanley's website, you'll get price data for the last up to five years. If it's an investment trust, you can get up to 10 years. In theory, you can get an ETF for up to 10 years if the ETF has been around that long. Mm. Well, that's a different story because most of them haven't. Um, but you get, basically, they sort of strip the main summary information from the annual reports and they present it there. So, like, what was the performance they've done per year, the last percentage-wise? When do they pay out dividends? What's the dividend cover? Uh, how big are they? Who managed them? What's their fees? All of this sort of salient facts you might find. And a very brief
0: description about what they do. Is it a UK fund? Is it an income fund? Like that. Right. So, for example, so if I sit the same, right, I've got five things I'm looking for in a fund. A fund above a certain size, has been around for a number of years, pays a dividend, let's say, and, and, and a number of other things. I'm going to see all of that in that kind of information. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be short of anything.
1: That's the awful information you're after. We all find that Justin Charles Stanley or Harveys Lansdowne freely available information on
0: all of their funds. So if that's the case, then if I'm not a subscriber to one of those platforms, can I still access that data? I
1: believe you can, because when I've gone onto their website, and I've not logged in as a customer. I've still been able to get access to that. Difference is you don't get access to live price data. But most of the time with funds anyway, it was never live in the first place. It's always
0: yesterday's date. So you're not really missing a huge amount. But you can see the trends on performance and that sort of thing over a a period of time. And so of the things that you said earlier on that you're reading then, are there specific things beyond the the FT that you would read to get information on funds?
1: So physical ones, um, yes. Share Magazine, Investors Chronicle, Money Week, they talk not just about how well the economy is doing, but then they specifically go into – Stuff about funds, stuff about companies. Admittedly, probably money we get probably more funds based than individual shares, whereas the Investors Chronicle is more heavily individual shares than funds, and Share Magazine is about 50-50. Now, they're the ones you can go down to your local news agents and buy. There's a bunch of stuff you can get from the internet that also gives you people who have looked at different types of funds and give you, have effectively reviewed them. So it's sort of going, well, who is the best UK income fund? Those sort of ones are uh, websites called Trustnet. CityWire have a special section that just does funds. Also, Morningstar does a reasonable amount of research just on funds, but they're freely available. They often use that to entice you to use some of their other products which are fee-based, but their article is generally free. And also Motley Fool does also do some stuff about funds, although quite a lot of times it's also about specific companies more so. But they're the sort of general ones that I've read and got to actually go and read up and I want to look about funds. And they'll take you through who's the good and bad performance wise on sectors. So UK income sector, UK small company sector. And they'll take you in more detail who's done well and why have they done well or who's different, who's a growth player, who's a, who's a dividend payer, who's a value investor and so forth. Which you don't necessarily get from the
0: from your stockbroker. Okay. So think about investment trusts, they're another type of fund. Is there anybody that specialises on you know around information on investment trusts?
1: Yes, there is. There is an association called AIC, which stands for the Association of Investment Companies, which represents all of the closed end investment companies, such as investment trusts. What they've done is they've collectively created a website that publishes information, research information on investment trusts. But it's also collated data on every UK listed or accessible investment trust. Breaks it down to all it's done is it's really it's just going to scrape all the numbers out of each investment trust and your reports to give them saving information as you search for them and get access to all their reports and uh, fact sheets in one place historically they did this as an advertising because even today investment trusts are not as well known of as their unit trusts and weeks they're much more known about and I use their platform quite a lot because they tell you general information such as what's the name of the fund what sector does it sit in what's the current share price what is the current net asset value what's the total number of shares are in circulation what is the total value of the company how much gearing is involved, whether it's a premium or discount at the moment, what's their share price returns on 1, 5, 10 years, what's their net asset returns on 1, 5, 10 years, what their fees are for them, do they pay performance fees or not, what's their current dividend yield, and what is their dividend growth over the last five years. And also they give some other information such as what's the dividend cover now, this is how much the, an investment trust can keep back as reserves. And it's unlike just telling you it's 31 million, what they've done is they convert it into, say, how many years of last year's dividend can be paid purely out of that reserves. So that does make it quite useful. Also, you can go back and look at their dividend history for as long as the companies have paid the dividend in some cases. So for, for some of them, you can go back up to 50 years. As some investment trusts are well over 100 years old, they don't go quite that far back. You've got data that goes back at least some cases to the 60s. So you can see what the living and growth has been like.
0: The, the AIC is obviously given a bit more information than perhaps your broker would, or it's maybe presented in a, in a clearer way in, in, one, in one place. That's given you the opportunity to do research, which, as we said before, is, is, a good, is a good place to start. Are there other sources of research you can access? Yes.
1: So if you want to know about which is the best uh, investment funds for th- certain sectors. Um, Morningstar, uh, CityWire, and TrustNet will do some research on them. Not as much as they do for Unit Trust and OICs, but they do do some. But there are some specialists out there. These are analysts who basically put most of their reports out for free, which you can use to, that give you quite a good detailed breakdown of how's the fund performing compared to its peers what caused it to do well of its portfolio of investments, or badly in some cases. Now, there's two of them that you can get access to without paying subscriptions. One of them is called uh, Edison, Edison Research. Uh, they are quite good. They give you breakdowns of information, like I said, about what in their portfolios cause it to do well or badly but also it takes you down into the ownership of saying well of the managers and the directors of that investment trust how much of the company do they have skin in the game real skin in them and put down the pennies it gives you an idea of who who believes his own work mm-hmm. but they also give you breakdowns onto who owns the fund is it generally owned by say half it owned by general stockbrokers in the uk or is it pacific fund houses who are you, your current other investors with? And it can be quite interesting when you see some of them where you're coming up to going, now these are bespoke family funds in some cases, we're running up to 30% of the company. Or and there's some other more general ones where you realise it's the usual stockbrokers. Hargreaves, Lansdown, Charles Stanley, A.J. Bell, and the others making up up to 30 40% top five shareholders. That can give you an idea about how the investment trust is going to work. Because sometimes with investment trusts, If they've underperformed in the past, because it is a listed company in a company, if enough of the shareholders buy enough of it, they can force the directors to merge it or close it down and liquidate the value. This can often happen where you've got a massive discount because they can make a quick profit. So it gives you another idea of is that one of the funds that somebody might do in there or not. Another one you can get access to is called quoted data. They do articles, again, on unit trusts, but quite a few bits on investment trusts. And they do similar sort of research on individual investment funds and investment trusts, similar to what Edison do. They tend to do the more bigger, more famous-named investment trusts compared to Edison. Edison tends to do the ones that aren't quite as big or quite as famous or certainly not as old.
0: And so these investment trusts, they trade on the stock market like a share. Yes, um, and we've talked a little bit about that before in terms of the, the pros and cons on that. But when you think about shares, obviously you've mentioned you know, some of the things that you read, they cover shares and funds. But are there data sources that you'd use more focused around shares than, than the funds that you've already mentioned?
1: Yes. Money Week, if you're looking at the magazines, the general financial magazines, you can get in the UK. Money Week picks out a couple of shares. Probably more based on funds and investment trusts. Like I said, there's another one called Share Magazine. They do quite equal amount of shares compared to funds, but probably the premier one, if you're really looking at individual share buying and share information, would probably be Investors Chronicle. Most of what they talk about there is individual shares where they're looking for ones that might be good or, but ones specifically ones to avoid.
0: Yeah. I think for me, you know, it, it Investors Chronicle is one of those ones where. They will deep dive into companies. You know, and again, whether you agree with the analysis or not is a, is, is a debatable point, but they've got people on there that, that go into a, a certain level of detail. And they go
1: into that sort of level of detail and
0: perspectives of what their underlying assets are, their business model, and their projected cash flows. And I think that's because one of the, the areas that's kind of micro-capped, very small companies, they cover shares there, don't they?
1: Yes, they tend to look at smaller
0: companies more than bigger companies. And so you're looking at those going, you know, typically you would say that small companies outperform large companies over the long term. So when you're looking at trying to, if you're going to pick individual small companies, that could be a bit of a, a bit of a minefield. So, But if you're going to do that beyond funds, then Investors Chronicle seems to cover those yes. in quite a lot of detail.
1: So although you can get similar-ish information probably from your broker and from reading all of the financial reports... They probably, they're effectively doing that for you to some degree. Now you can get basic data from your broker such as share price and you can put things, certain bits of analysis on it such as a 30 day moving average, 50 day moving averages, uh, specific dates of volumes of share sales. You can also do boiler bands and various other things of uh, trying to look at the uh, technical analysis of the share price as well as looking at dividends per share, eBit earnings before amortization and debt and various other metrics of how well the company is performing and projected cash flow. But all they're doing is they're dumping that into a table for you. You have to make sense of it. They don't necessarily allow you to search for companies with certain, shall we say, dividend ratios or dividend cover or earnings per share. They don't really do that.
0: No, I suppose that comes down into you've got to dig. If that's the important aspects in your process, then you, yeah, you need to do the digging on that.
1: Other companies offer data sources that allow you to do that. Now, I don't subscribe to any of these because they don't generally deal that much with individual companies. So these ones are companies such as called Stockpedia, where they have similar data, but it's far more searchable if you're looking for specific stocks with specific traits. Another one is also called SharePad, where they'll take you through similar things there where you want to have more of those metrics but allow to be searchable to find I've often seen it mentioned in the Investors Chronicle and various other and Money Week and various others that they're the sort of software or services that many of the analysts who write for them tend to use when they're doing their filtering today. Who should I look at in more detail? I've never had the time to
0: use them, but I know they exist out there. No, and I think that's the thing, as you said, if you're buying funds, you've got an active fund, therefore an active manager who's doing that for you. And to some degree, you're paying for that privilege. So why would you then go and get a data source? If you're going to focus on individual shares, essentially creating your own fund, then those things perhaps are uh, uh, useful. Those. Okay.
1: Now, there's some useful things that most of your brokers do when you're looking at funds. This is where, I know Hargreaves do it, and I pre-saw that Charles Stanley also do it. You've got several funds, and you think you're divested. And what you didn't realize is the top five are all the same blooming company. And actually, when you thought you were more evenly distributed, nope, you're all invested in British American Tobacco and Shell than you thought you were. You weren't as diverse at all, and they usually call it an x-ray function. Now, I think most brokers tend to have this now for Oyx and Unit Trusts. Investment Trusts are different. Now I have a mixture of Unit Trusts and Investment Trusts with Hargreaves, and Hargreaves, when I use this filter, tells me i own these investment trusts and then it breaks down the underlying shares for the unit trusts now i do believe morningstar have done something very recently to offer a similar function but they do it for unit trusts and investment trusts now they call it their morningstar portfolio x-ray and it can be i've, I've not used it yet but that's because you have to subscribe to this but from what i've read up about it just recently when i started it It can be quite interesting because it tells you where your stock overlaps. So how much are different funds really different from each other? And therefore, what's your actual top 10 investments in underlying shares or top 50 and how many of them are overlapping? What's their individual styles of the each investment? Are they growth? Are they value? Are they income related or whatever? And also as well as a geographical for the ownership of the share on the stock market and actually its operations. So it can be quite good if you want to see, although I might have a lot of UK miners to realize that you're not all actually, they don't actually mine very much in the UK anymore. So that can be something that maybe it's something I've been looking at because it covers investment trusts now and not just unit trusts.
0: Yeah. And I think if you, if you've got both, you kind of need to break that yeah. out. If, or you if, have, you know, if you want to look at it,
1: you can do it yourself, but you yeah. can tend to only do it to the top 10 funds. Most funds don't bother, don't tell you who after the top ten. Some do; they'll tell you top twenty or fifty percent fund, but they won't tell you everything. They're actually so i think—tell everything.
0: Right, that's, and that's really useful because I think that that element of being able to see, like you said, read the fact sheet, but then you generally the fact sheet's got the top ten on it, and you know they own other stuff, and sometimes the funds don't want to declare all of it.
1: Which is probably more when you've got constraint managers who are constrained and maybe only have 20, 25 shareholdings. But when you've got quite a lot of global small companies, they tend to want to be spread out over a lot of small companies. Their top 10 is not a huge fraction of their entire portfolio. Whereas the top 10 for Terry Smith, Blue Whale, or the other managers such as Lindsay Train
0: who are quite constricted, that might well be 80% of the entire portfolio. You mentioned earlier on about dividend cover and things like that. If you want to be looking at timings of dividend declaration and when they're going to go and pay their dividend, that sort of thing, where would you where would you look for those that kind of information? Or have we already covered that?
1: In many ways, you could say, yeah, I've already covered that because your stockbroker tends to tell you, at least with UK shares anyway, when the date is, what's the ex-div date, what's the payment date, and what's the payment of the dividend and the amount, and also up to three or four years of historic data. There are others, such as Dividend Max, who go take that into a much more holistic approach and look at it in most major um, developed world economies and stock markets. And they also know, from historically looking at it, going they tend to always pay on this date, so they predict the dividend dates, and they look at, to some degree, models predicting what the future dividends from the growth might be. And they'll show you, and who does it on a weekly, who goes ex-div next week, You want to rank it by dividend cover, or or now to yield they're paying. They have access to that, and they'll tell you. Do you want it on the UK stock market, German stock market, the Austrian, the Swedish, the Finnish, the um, Swiss, the French, uh, Canadian, Australian, and American, and possibly a few more countries that I've forgotten. But so, and and is
0: most of that information freely available?
1: All of that is freely available. From each individual company's annual prospectus and announcements, all they're doing is putting in a searchable format. So not, the actual raw data is all free, but it's just scattered everywhere.
0: Do they, Is there a subscription there service a subscription for them? There is a subscription model
1: base for that, although you can get certain bits for free if you don't pay for it, but some of the longer-term things are more than lucky. A week or two, you did They generally unless it's already been announced publicly, they don't tell you. It's, right. sort of, it's sort of crossed that or blurred out, so you don't know the name of that company. When you, touch, you don't, They're projected to pay or how, are declared to pay this percentage. But unless you subscribe, you don't get to see more than that a couple of weeks ahead. Right. So how much are different funds really different from each other? And therefore, what's your actual top 10
0: investments in the underlying shares or top 50? And how many of them are overlapping? So, so I think in summary then, we're just saying, find your own invested style and then... Once you know that, you can access those sources. Some of the ones that we've talked about today, but there are lots and lots of others out there. And for the ones that we've mentioned, they'll be in the information on the podcast. So the links are there. So have a look at those, if any of those are of interest. But again, we said don't spend too much time on the rhetoric that's out there. You know, Try and be patient in your investing style. Keep your eye on whatever your prize is and try and stick to your process. So just say thanks to Philip, and we'll see you next time.
1: This program has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the program's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.